Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove now here's your host steve Saki. and welcome to another edition of the final inspection show steve Zotki, along with jeff Orlowski. how are we doing today jeff Hey, it's my favorite holiday today, Steve, 4th of July. Yes, it's the 4th of July weekend, and uh, I mentioned it last week. We This this, this is pre-taped. There's a lot of stuff. Let's 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 be honest. It's the 4th of July weekend, a lot of stuff going on. So You got that right. Uh, but I want to talk about last week in Pocono. I, th- I thought it was a pretty neat deal. We had a triple header on Sunday. Uh, we had a cup race on Saturday. And, you know... I, you know, we, we've always complained. I shouldn't say always, but we have complained in the past about Pocono. But what the heck happened? Those were pretty entertaining races, weren't they? They were. Uh, they were. You know, they both had dramatic finishes. Um, you know, on Saturday, it was uh, Denny Hamlin trying um, and coming up a little short and running down Kevin Harvick. And it was uh, the complete opposite on Sunday with uh, Kevin Harvick coming up short, trying to run down Denny Hamlin. And, um, you know, yeah, they were both fairly entertaining. And it looked like for, uh, especially on Saturday, I mean, Eric Amarola was the guy to beat, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think both days uh, the best car didn't win. Uh, well, let's take a look at it. It, it, it. You know, when you look at them, look at them side by side, basically you got on Saturday Harvick, uh, Harvick, Hamlin, and Amarola, and then on Sunday you have uh, just switch them with uh, Hamlin and Harvick, who finished first and second on both of them, and then uh, uh, Amarola finished fifth on Sunday, but he finished third, of course, on Saturday. Uh, five of the guys that finished in the top ten did it on both days. So, of course, as we mentioned, Harvick and Hamlin and Amarola, very good weekends. Truex, two top tens. Maybe not happy with that, though. Right. Uh, and then you have Clint Boyer, who finished 7th and 8th. And, I, you know, at this point, I think he'll take it. Of course. He's got he's got no choice. You know, this is a 7th and 8th place finish for Clint is worlds ahead of what he has been doing. 
where he's been, you know, running in the mid twenties and wrecking out. So uh absolutely he's taken two top tens. You know, Amarola really impressed. And um the fact that he knocked off two top fives. What was interesting to me is when I was uh listening to uh the post race show uh on NASCAR radio and um they were interviewing all these guys, and a lot of them said that their cars were better on Sunday than they were on Saturday, including Amarola, who finished two spots worse, including Kevin Harvick, who finished second instead of winning the race. Um, you know, they, they said their cars were better on Sunday. Well, because they were able to set them up the day before. Case right. in point, Kyle Busch, who... I think has been very frustrated the way the season has been going. And part of it is that he's a guy with his crew. They've been able to fix the car. You know, I mean, it's basically you roll off the truck and and you're going to go racing and it's hurt some teams and helped others. One of the teams is definitely is, is hurt is Kyle Busch. But then you saw, you know, what he did on Saturday and then how strong he was looking on Sunday before he had that incident with Denny Hamlin, and we'll, we'll talk in another segment Blaney, about that. Huh? I mean, Blaney, yeah. uh, uh, you know, when the, when they got together. So, uh, but I've certainly frustrating for guys like for you know guys like Kyle Busch who aren't able to to set up their cars. And but I mean, you look at it's not really affecting Hamlin though this year, is it? No, not at all, and uh, it's not affecting Kevin Harvick. And you know, Denny Hamlin. Everybody talked uh, last season. You know, he had a ton of wins. Um, they said, you know, it was a career year for Denny Hamlin. If you take his average finish now, so far this season, it's better than it was last season. Mm-hmm. So he's knocking last season out of the water, and that was, quote, unquote, a career year. So Denny Hamlin and his team have absolutely nailed the setups coming off the truck, able to sit there and not have practice, not have qualifying, and work on the car, you know, a little bit during the race, but sit there and and be competitive from the drop of the green flag and nail it. And Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick have been able to do the same. You know, it's it's interesting that that Kyle Busch isn't, you know, stronger considering how successful he has been at at 99% of the tracks that that NASCAR goes to, but he's the one who's really been complaining about the lack of practice and not not having time to to work on the cars. So, you know, it definitely affects some more than others. It's going to be interesting as the season progresses as we get into the playoffs because right now it's basically Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick against the world. And you look at what I thought uh, Fox Sports 1 did a really nice job of showing uh, with Hamlin with with his crew chief Chris Gabehart, and they, they brought up a couple of excellent points about oh he's more than just a race strategist engineer and everything else he, he's also a real team leader mm-hmm. and I think you know there there are some some combinations that work really well in gel and this is one that certainly is is doing that and I think that it, it's in, it, it's it's given Gabehart is given Hamlin is not only has given them the car, but also I think the confidence too, where I think we've seen in the past, we certainly discussed on this show, where when push comes to shove, I think Hamlin has kind of shied away with it and, and, and Gabehart has kind of pushed Hamlin in the direction where, hey, you can dominate this sport. And we've certainly seen it in the last two seasons. He's got 47 starts, 10 wins. Uh, over half of those... I've been top fives. Mm-hmm. That is an incredible. 
And uh, uh, 32 out of 47 of those are top 10s. So, I mean, Hamlin is really, really dominated. And then you look at what Hamlin and Har- uh, Harvick has done. Just this is, you know, they both have uh, three wins, uh, six and uh, Harvick is six top fives. Hamlin is eight top fives this year. I know. And and, and all you know, basically eight top tens. So when he's finishing, he's finishing up front. Well, and he pissed away the, the win at Bristol. He should have won that one. Right. So, you know, he should have four wins. And, um, you know, it just it, it makes his stat sheet that much more, uh, you know, just mind-blowing. And it is dominance, and uh, and he's sure showing it and getting it done. Yeah, and you, know, you look at some of the guys that who who did well, like Cal Bush. You know, he had that top five finish, was looking so well. Had the incident with uh, with Blaney, Christopher Bell. Here's another guy finished fourth. You're thinking, okay, was running well too. He had issues on Sunday. Boom, thirty ninth finish. Right, so frustrating. And then Michael McDowell was another guy. Uh, they they really piled up the cars this weekend up in Pocono. That was kind of surprising in itself too. Now, obviously, they had the issue with the oil. We'll go into that in in in, in another segment. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cars that were put on a flatbed this weekend. There was, and uh, the body shops are busy in uh, in most of those teams. But uh, you know, I will tell you that it was surprising, and you touched on you know how shocked you were at both these races were exciting to watch because you know after all it is Pocono I was surprised that Saturday was as good as it was when if you didn't come back with the exact same car that you ran on Saturday Mm -hmm. you started at the ass end of the field and for them to sit there and put on an entertaining show knowing that it was a short race and that uh you know these guys had to take care of their equipment or get penalized for it the next day I really thought Saturday was going to be the snoozer and Sunday was going to be the good one. But, uh, but yeah, they were both, uh, both pretty darn good. And I, I really like the 140 lap length. I do too. I really think that's they, they should, I think, and I think you might see that in the future. I hope so. I, I, I really, I really, I mean, I will, I would much rather see two 140 lap races like they did, you know, the Saturday, Sunday thing. Then you know, especially two two hundred lappers across a month from each other, which a lot of people would scratch their heads at. But I, I really like this new format. Yeah, I do too. I thought the uh, the double header weekend uh, worked out fantastic for NASCAR. Of course, you know Mother Nature still hates NASCAR, uh, and you know delays a race every that single something? weekend. That's incredible. It's unreal. They are just having the worst luck when it comes to weather this year. And then add the lightning rules that they have now and that, and it's just like, okay, question. Before we go, uh, before we take a quick break here, uh, did you run out of time on your DVR? Were you watching it live or no? I sat there and I saw that the that the start was delayed um, on Sunday. So then you know I uh, I started getting some stuff done around the house, trying to pack the house for we're moving uh, in a week and all that. So um, you know, got some stuff done, but kept the channel on and just kept poking my head in right. and out. But no, I, I did not run. Uh, because the race was so short, I always set any NASCAR race to record three hours longer than the schedule end. So I'm recording a race for, you know, basically six and a half to seven hours anyway. Uh, you know, for the for the race, that's my rec- record window. So I did not miss it. I, I, I guess those are halcyon days, you know, growing, uh, 
you know, not growing up necessarily, but I mean, when when Kawiki was running at in the early '90s, which for late '80s, early '90s for me, which is the epitome for me for cup racing, and 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 the peak in that, and I I mean, there that was much, you know, much watch TV, and we didn't have the all the digital stuff we have now where we can kind of let it roll back, fast forward, and do right. all the other things. It was either tape it or watch it live. But I don't remember all these rainouts or that back then. I mean, there were situations like that, but it seems like the race was on, or if it wasn't, it was it was a rainout and it moved on. But it just seems like there's so much more nowadays. Well, I know we've already had a couple Monday races, and uh, you know they had one of the Wednesday nighters got moved to Thursday, so it's been a, a rough go this year. And you know maybe it's because they're running at different tracks, different times of the year uh, than what they typically do, but. Um, you know, Mother Nature's having a field day, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's getting it out of the way now, and uh, they can sit there and, you know, pretty much go the rest of the season on schedule. It just hurts because, you know, this is the time NASCAR needs to shine, being besides golf and mm-hmm. uh, MMA uh, and now IndyCar. Oh, my God, they're going to have their second race of the year. <laughs> Jesus, about time. Um you know, it's time for them to put their best foot forward, uh, try to suck up as much of the attention as they can, and they've just been very unlucky. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk some Xfinity and Truck Series racing highlights and whatnot coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zockey along with Jeff Orlowski. And we're talking Xfinity Series. And uh, once again, uh, Pocono, uh, exciting race, and Chase Briscoe. I mean, it's not too many times, Jeff, that a, a car can spin, a guy can spin, uh, and then come back to win the race. No, it very it doesn't happen very often at all. And, um, you know, Chase Briscoe was not running towards the top of the leaderboard for most of the day, but he sure came on he was when not. it mattered. He, and, uh, you know, he climbed through that field like a bat out of hell. And uh, it was, you know, it was exciting watching him work through the field. Yeah, and he he's another driver that, that that's on his way up. And I, I guess, you know, with, with him being a Ford driver, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. How long does he, does he stay another year in the Xfinity Series? Does he go to Cup next year? It'll be interesting to see where exactly he goes because I'm excited. I've been on this kid for, for a year or two. Uh, I, I saw him come up through, you know, the kids from Southern Indiana drove the sprint car, bull, bull rings and sprint car racing, and has, has really progressed nicely and shown some maturity in that. I didn't, uh, I guess he gave a little bit of a chrome horn. horn. I, I, I don't really like that. Uh, what, what, what was your opinion on that when he kind of bumped uh, J, uh, Justin Haley there? It looked like he had the speed. Uh, there was still, I think, a lap to go when he took the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was they, you know, I don't like seeing that. I, I just don't like the bump and run. But I mean, he did. It was, I guess, 
in all things being equal, it was a correct bump and run. He didn't wreck them. He just touched them a little bit. Right. He was the faster car. He was, and, you know, he nudged him out of the way. So, you know, it it wasn't a a Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano situation. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, he didn't, he didn't train wreck him. You didn't, you know, or freight trainer. You didn't do anything. Uh, you know, he just tapped him and, and got by. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, but man, that race seemed like it took forever. Record number of cautions, you know, well, that thing was slow moving, baby. Well, they had that, in, you know, in the, in the situation with, uh, uh, it looks like, I guess it was Brandon Brown that was just oiling up the track. They tried to clean it, tried to clean it. And then between the races, between the Xfinity race and the Cup Series, they actually had to chemically treat it, rinse it down, and, and, and you know, yeah. do the enzyme treatment that they do to, you know, get rid of all the oil because it just wasn't working. And guys were getting loose. You saw the thing with Josh uh, uh, Josh Williams, uh, his incident with the 92 car, and and then others were just having issues in that corner, and you know I just it was a lot of a lot of carnage, and you don't really like to see that. But I mean, I tell you what though, those are some those are some pretty hard hits, and the guys were able to walk away from them. Yeah, they 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 were definitely hard hits all weekend long, and um, you know definitely makes you appreciate the safer barrier, and they sure got a workout this weekend at Pocono. And, you know, just the, obviously the, all the safety that uh, that has come along to keep these guys safe. But, yeah, there was, uh, you know, there's going to be some guys that are pretty sore uh, today, I have a feeling. Uh, a couple of guys I wanted to mention, of course, uh, I, I, uh, Ross, Chast- Ross Chastain was the guy he bumped uh, at the end uh, to pass him. Jeremy Clements, what a third-place finish, of course, won at Road America a couple of years ago. Uh, very impressive run. He was a guy that's like, boom, wait, wait, what? He finished third. You know, he was certainly leaking in the, in, uh, lurking in the, in the weeds, so to speak. My, my Snyder in that 21 car has been putting in some strong performances of late. Michael Annette's been there. Justin Algar, Brett Moffitt, who I thought Talladega was his last race, but they were, they were able to put some races together. It looks like Timmy Hill with a top 10. And then we go to Riley Herbst. Yeah. Good old Riley. What's going on? I mean, of course, he got taken out on that one. It wasn't necessarily his fault, but he, he's struggling, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a very kind way to put it. And, uh, you know, he has not shown uh, all that he can be and, as and this, of yet. And this one predates you even. Dexter Bean, friend of the show, way back in the day. Dexter Bean. Huh? Dexter Bean with an 11th place finish. Uh yes, yeah, Dexter Bean uh was uh, uh, was on the show many 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 years ago and uh and glad to see uh him with a uh 11th place finish. Uh, uh some disappointments uh of course and guys that that just didn't you know Josh Williams of course at the team uh, he's a, he's a guy he's a fabricator. Mhm. Works part, you know. Works part time at racing. That was a good looking car, but unfortunately, uh, hit the wall. And uh, Chad Fincham had his frustrations, and uh, Daniel Hemrick, of course, too. Austin Sindrick and those guys. But uh, yeah, they know. all got taken out in the in the one crash. Right. You know, like thirty nine to go, and both stage winners, the pole sitter Noah Gregson, all get taken out, and. Uh, you know, it, but it was still was an exciting finish. So you know, you lost a lot of good, uh, a lot of good cars there, 
but uh, they were still able to to complete it and uh, and make it exciting till the end. And then you got Brandon Jones, winner of the truck race in the fifty one truck. Uh, impressive. That was an entertaining race in itself too. Yeah. So uh, Brandon Jones, tip of the hat to him, and then to, boy, talk about a flip! <laughs> oh. Win, wins, wins, wins one race and finishes basically last in the other. Yeah, he sure did. You know the uh, the truck race, uh, the beginning of the truck race was a uh, let's just say not a good uh, display no. of uh, professional race car driving. It it was flat out embarrassing and. Uh, you know, a lot of good trucks got got taken out, and a lot of you know, or and had damage, and it just uh, it was a very piss poor way to start the triple header. But uh, but Pocono kind of bounced back, you know, for them to sit there and have all three series running on the same day, have you know the the beginning part of the uh, the truck race just completely marred with wrecks and cautions. Had the Xfinity race have a record number of cautions? I think the truck race also had a record number of cautions for Pocono. It, you know, still kept you entertained all damn day. Yeah, it did. And then, uh, you know, Ty Majeski, Wisconsin driver, you know, top 10, he easily had a top 10, if not a top five truck. And then the situation with him uh, early in the race, that's got to be frustrating. He made a move. He probably should not have moved. I just, I, it just goes back to that. I, I just hate that blocking. I just, I know, I know, I know why. I understand it, but just, and he, even he kind of admitted that early in the race was not the move, move to make. And you just, I, I really think, especially in that series, you know, maybe in the Cup series, it may give you a break or something. But in the Xfinity series or the truck rate, truck series, or the especially Arca. Um, that guy that's behind you that you're blocking, he might not give you that break, and you're kind of exposing yourself, aren't you? Yeah, you are. And I'll tell you, you know, I was shocked that, uh, you know, NASCAR threw a two-lap penalty for yes. aggressive driving yes. during the Xfinity race because... The good point. You know, there's been many, many a week where uh, many races where, you know, you're just sitting there and you're watching and you just shake your head. Like, you know, I don't have as big of a problem with blocking and... And and running guys over as you do, you know, you're more of a, you know, I'm a, a traditionalist. That's, yeah, because that, that's the way I was raised. You know, and you watch. I know boomer and all this. I'm not a boomer, but you know, growing up, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you 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 can get into each other, but it's it, it's side to side. You you watch, you know, Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison, Kelly Arbor, and those guys, or Bobby, the epic Bobby Allison, Richard Petty you know, fights that they had at the short tracks and that it was side to side racing. It wasn't guys just, just out, you know, just not hitting their brakes and just taking the guy in front of you. That, right. That's Bush league. That, that's what you see at, at, a, at, at, a, at the, uh, you know, local track. And that that's something I don't, I don't really don't think it, it helps NASCAR when you see that because you, you see like, I, 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 I'd like to listen to what the other, what what the very very casual race fan says? I kind of I kind of I put more weight to their opinion than than the guy who's not watching no matter what. And that's true with any sport. But right. you know when they kind of go, oh, it's just crashing the last ten laps. Well, that's not a good product. You know, it, and I, I understand agree. it. Where and I, that's why I thought Talladega was such a good race because okay, you're it was the last lap and you're fighting for everything you can get. Right. That I can understand. 
and you're going to the finish line, you got a Eric Amarola spinning backwards. Okay, that's fine. I understand that. But when you have, when it takes you 40 minutes to run the last 10 laps of a restrictor plate race, that's not good TV. It's not good entertainment. Right. And I agree with that. And I, you know, just because, uh, you know, you're uh, quote unquote more racing traditionalist than I am. You know, I'm not calling you a boomer. You know, we're close to the same age. Well, I age. understand, but you, that's the latest thing. Uh, you, you, if you, know, you bitch and moan about anything in sports now, it's like, okay, boomer. You know, that's a role. You know, that's a role. Okay, yeah. whatever. Okay, boomer. And yeah. then that got old real quick, so now it's Karen. But, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, I you're a nicer guy than I am. And <laughs> so I sit there, and I, it doesn't matter if I'm going uh, on, a, on a lazy Sunday drive to the grocery store. You know, and if it normally takes me five minutes, I'm going to try to get there in four and a half. You know, because I'm just, that's how I, well, that's how I'm I that drive. Well, I'm too, but uh, still, there's there's times and places for everything. And I, I think, you know, I always said racing should appear to be hard. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And just crashing into each other. It's one thing to have a car get loose and then you're trying to save it and spin out and whatever, and you take another car. But it's another thing to just see this, this some of this days of thunder stuff, well, which I can ag- get tiring. I agree a thousand percent. Nothing drives me crazier than when you're watching the in-car camera and these the driver's hands are not even moving. No, it's like they're on. It's like a, a slot, Sunday stroll, like you should car. have a cigarette right. in one hand, like I do when I'm driving down the street. Yep. You know, that is not racing. And we've talked about it, how, you know, when you go back on on YouTube and you watch the old races, and it doesn't matter what series it is, you watch the the old races, you know, four, five times a race, somebody would spin out all by by themselves, Mm -hmm. just driving along, you know, nobody 20 feet in front or behind them and just lose control and spin out. Because the cars were hard to drive, and it's not like that anymore. No, and it shouldn't be. So, all right, let's let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more uh, NASCAR and Cup racing. We're going to go back to the Cup Series coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. The final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Yes, it is 4th of July weekend. Make sure you get out to Great Lakes Dragway for all of their festivities. Make sure you always stay abreast to latest with uh, by monitoring their Facebook page. Yep, they keep it up to date, give you all the info you need if there's uh, you know any kind of weather or anything like that and um, just what amazing attractions they're going to have down there. Each and every day, it's uh, they do a f- phenomenal job. And you can do the same with the Final Inspection Show with our Facebook page. Yep, you do uh, You do a great job. Rick uh, Zimmerman's been posting a lot of great stuff on there lately. and um, We will continue to hopefully do that some more this weekend, uh, as I will be in Indianapolis. But uh, it's pretty tight, as, as Road America will be next weekend, too, with the IndyCar races. We're going to talk about more of that in the next segment here, but... 
Uh, we do our best uh, this this weekend and next weekend with the latest and trying to get these all the inside information at Indianapolis and uh, Road America. Uh, there's the rumor the the rumor mill, especially with him being so hot lately, uh, running uh, the midget racing and winning on on the dirt. The Kyle Larson rumors are starting to heat up, and it looks like. Um, you know, somebody, uh, Robin Miller, I think it was, uh, mentioned, uh, asked uh, AJ Foyt, hey, you going to hire Kyle Larson or in the 500? You know, he's available or that. And and I think Foyt kind of let it slip that. Uh, looks like, uh, well, he's going to be running for Tony Stewart or something to <laughs> yeah. that effect. So I think you wonder with uh, Amarola running stronger and, and he's got a good relationship with Smithfield, uh, it looks like the 14 car would be the open because let's face it with Cole Custer that's that's a Gene Haas that that's that's his boy yep so uh he he's he's good for another year should be and so the 14 car looks like Clint Boyer might be on the outside looking in and it certainly makes sense that uh Kyle, Kyle Larson would be in that car doesn't it <laughs> it sure does and uh you know you would think that Clint Boyer and Eric Amarola, if you asked me who was going to have the better season going into this year, I would have said it would probably be close, but it's going to be Boyer. Uh, Boyer's had some awful luck. Mm -hmm. He's put himself in some awful positions. He's gotten horrible, horrible finishes most weeks. The fact that he rattled off two top tens at Pocono is absolutely shocking to me. Um, you know, he's one of the guys that he's very easy to root for. He's a fantastic personality. He's great when he's calling races. He's great in front of the cameras, on interviews, in-car, in-race stuff. He's phenomenal. When it comes time, when it's money time and the lights are bright and it's time to sit there and grip that wheel, white knuckle, and get it done, he's not getting it done. No, and I think if you're Tony Stewart, you know, You've you've been following the kid, you know the kid, and I, I think you'd be kind of excited to have him behind the wheel of a car. And somebody who's been a fan of Kyle Larson has been following him back in two thousand and boy, when do we have him on the show? Twenty, wow, twenty ten, twenty oh nine. I think it was we had him on the show, final inspection show way back then when we were broadcasting live from the Milwaukee Mile, Jeff. Nice and. uh you, you know, I've been following this kid. I was frustrated with him ha- you know, just wandering in the wilderness with, with Ganassi, with, as he's known in, in the cup garage, as cheap Ganassi. Well. And, you know, you get, you get, would win maybe Michigan or win here, win there, a couple, maybe one race, two, three races a year, but never. I mean, when he came up into the cup series, I said he's not going to win. He's not, I did a, a LeBron. Not only is he going to win a championship, he's going to win championships in the Cup Series. So, yeah. could that be possible with if he, if he goes to who uh, Stuart Haas Racing and as strong as that program now, especially when you look at what Kevin Harvick's doing, and, and you look at a driver, it, it, you, how forty two, yeah, and and Hamlin's about to turn forty. You know, you know when when I was growing up, that was the peak, the the peak age for a driver was at 28 to 40 range. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at where they are in their their uh in their career, it's all clicking right now for them. Well, and for that's Harvick why and, Hamlin. and you wonder, you know, Larson is still still young. 
if he if he gets into that 14 car and let's say Harvick starts, you know, is at his peak now, starts maybe dropping down, you know, he's at the peak now. Now he starts going over that the top of that mountain now. Right. And which which is nothing against him. I'm just saying it, it it's feasible that could happen. And then now you bring in Larson. I mean, you could look for great things, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And that's why, you know, Cole Custer is in a phenomenal position, being as young as he is to learn from Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. Um, Amarola and Boyer, you know, yeah, whatever. But They are what they are. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I've always, I always got to kick out of people who, oh, he sucks. They suck. You know, and uh, they were talking. We were talking about this. Uh, a bunch of us, uh, you know, a couple of buddies, and you know, you, you hear the stories about uh, who the. I think Richard Scalabrini. They they were talking about the Celtics. You know, big white guy. You know, and some guy was saying, "Ah, oh, you suck, you suck." You challenged a listener to a, ho- a game of horse. Yeah, and he won like twenty-one nothing. You know, he just embarrassed a guy because. You know, there's such when you see talent like that. I, I, yeah, I, I, I used to be an EMT, and we had this. We had a, a guy, Tim Crimmings, who drove Badger midgets and modifieds, and he always so he was a part time mechanic and EMT. Okay, and he he would. Oh my God, we had the fastest ambulances. Anyway. <laughs> I could. There was one I could nice. do a brake stand in it. Nice. Um, and let's say I I. I I, that thing was fast. That I, the old the oldest ambulance we had in the fleet was I cannon. I'm talking cannonball run fast. Okay, that's how fast. Back then they had 460 gasoline engines. Now they're all diesel and they can barely. If they're going downhill, they may be able to hit 70 on the expressway. That's why I kind of laugh when they're running red lights and sirens on the expressway because they can barely hit 65. Anyways. Uh, I remember going red lights and sirens with Tim and watch and Tim was driving and Tim was making smooth. Nice. And this is a basic, a local driver, but Tim was very, very smooth. Just the way you handle traffic going down and we're, we're making pretty good time too, you know, going across the viaduct and whatnot going in. But uh, the, the thing that really surprised me was how smooth he was. Mm hmm. Every every move, and we were talking a big, you know, the, what they call a Type Two, which was a van ambulance at that time. It didn't have the big box, so but it was, you know, still a pretty he- a lot of a lot of weight to that thing. Of course, and the way he handled that was, you, you can tell this guy knew how to drive a vehicle. Well, and I don't like when people say that drivers suck either, because how good of a cup driver is is Gray Galding? No one has any idea. Right. Because if you throw him in the 18, you have no idea what the hell he's going to do in that race. Or if he drives the number four that week for Kevin Harvick, actually runs in top-notch equipment, you don't know what he can do. You just know what he does running for crappy teams and no money. So, yes, you know, saying drivers suck. But Cole Custer has got a great opportunity to learn from Kevin mm-hmm. Harvick, pick his brain, and he's all that. He's young, too. Yeah, of course. And Kyle Larson is young enough and hopefully, you know, maybe getting kicked in the teeth um, because of his stupid comments mm-hmm. during the iRacing. I hope it humbles him and he comes when he comes back to NASCAR, whether it's at Stuart Haas next year or some other team, he will be back in the series. When he gets back into NASCAR, 
I hope he's humble enough where he is able to sit there and learn from a Kevin Harvick. You know, if he joins, um, you know, if he joins, uh, you know, Gibbs or something, you know, learn from the older, more successful drivers that are in the stable. Well, not that it's only going to help them. Not only that, but we've seen this with maybe quarterbacks or other players. Uh, when they went to a different team, well, that's when they make that jump. Yeah. Different coach, different team, different environment, everything. You know, just like, whoa. And, you know. Well, look at Harvick at RCR. He was, you know, run of the mill. He'd win a yeah. race here and there. But, you know, it was he wasn't what he is now at Stuart Haas. Well, you look at like, or you look at somebody like Charles Woodson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Good player with the Raiders. Yeah, he and was. And he kind of... Eh, Nobody wanted to give him a shot except the Packers. Boy, and then when he got into that environment, you saw his true talent yep. come up. So that's why I'm wondering if, if Larson does go to the 14 car, wherever he goes, are we going to see that, what we know that's there? Are we going to see that talent rise to the surface? That we're seeing lately where he's just dominating oh, USAC midgets. He's Now he's... Really kicking butt in the world of outlaws. I mean, he's really kind of getting into his own now. But when running the dirt as much as he's doing it, doing it's very hard to run the dirt. I, I thought it was very interesting. I heard uh, Tony Stewart talking on a podcast about when you know when he was running sprint cars and that you ran sprint cars. Then he kind of he, he, he sat out for a year or two and didn't really run them as much as he did. And now that when he started to run sprint cars, he found out he had to run them a totally different way. The way he used to drive sprint cars, he had to relearn. The, the the cars look the same, but they've evolved so much. You have to drive them differently. And and he had to change his driving style, and it took him a while to to kind of feel comfortable in that. And we're talking, uh, you know, you and I see him out, out on a track, and it looks like Tony Stewart. But inside, he knows that, you know, those, those tenths, tenths of a second – that he can pick up a lap or that that separates the good drivers and the excellent drivers and that and, and you know he it took him that it took him a while to get that back where he wanted to be and he's still at at his point he's not where he wants to be at but you know it just things the 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 uh, the sport evolves that much I thought it was pretty interesting that he said that well and this could be the only silver lining of this completely horrible story where Kyle Larson just you know. Yeah. completely dump trucked his own career. But maybe in the long term might be better. It might be better because he had undying loyalty to Cheap Ganassi because Cheap Ganassi was like the only guy He's who was going to give guy. him a shot without bringing any money. Yes. And that's, that, that's shy. And that, that's unfortunate. That's what's so frustrating with the sport today, you know, where the guys like, there's the guys like Chase Briscoe and that, there's not too many of them out there. Right. In the truck series, you got to bring a truck book now. Yeah. It was never like that. And uh, I remember 20, 20 some years ago, guys were, I mean, it was ridiculous. Guys running USAC, I, I knew a lot of the guys that were running USAC, and it was like they were getting calls all the time, especially from like the truck series and, and the old Bush series. I had a buddy of mine. He, he he was getting calls. Hey, you want to run this race? We got a car, we got a car open. You want to run the trucks here? You want to run there? Well, I you know the and you didn't really want to. Necessarily, How much do you want? Yeah, <laughs> then they were paying. You know what? You know no, they were paying the drivers the the race, but it was they were like, well, 
Uh, if it was a car that wasn't that good, you might because you didn't want to make a debut and kind of send you know crash. Right. But you know, and then there was opportunities in the IRL too, and some of these guys had, had you know they could either go IRL or NASCAR racing. I mean, you had the your phone rang right now instead of you saying, "Hey, I got this sponsor. Let's let's maybe let's put a package together." So it's certainly a different time than it was even just twenty years ago. Let's take a quick break and we'll get you caught up with the latest in the world of racing. Coming up next on the final inspection show on this Fourth of July weekend, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove. What is more American? Than the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on the Fourth of July weekend, huh? That's awesome. That's one hell of a combo there. Make sure you check them out. We'll be back right after this. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve's out here along with Jeff Orlowski. And uh, lots of stuff happening this weekend, 4th of July weekend. Of course, we have NASCAR in uh, in Indianapolis this weekend. And we have uh, coming up next week then also the IndyCars going to, well, the IndyCars are in uh, uh, Indianapolis. So it's a doubleheader today. IndyCar and uh, the Xfinity Series in Indianapolis. And of course, Brickyard 400 tomorrow and then the fo- this coming weekend uh is we got indycar at road america which is gonna be interesting because we are not broadcasting live as we have in the past right and as neither is bill michaels everything's kind of still shut down uh the paddock area is going to be kind of shut down well it is shut down i should say uh but we'll hopefully we'll be able to give you some some news from there. Yeah, hopefully Re- some interviews or behind something. the scenes. I'm sure stuff. something will happen, so we'll see. Uh, of course, uh, next week you got the uh, the IndyCar Rev Group Grand Prix presented by AMR, uh, July 9th and 12th. I tell you what, though, there is something to do. There is one paddock, uh, or will be really cool to see, is the vintage Indy uh, paddock at Road America, which is going to be just on the inside of, of Turn 14, which is at the bottom of the hill. And come on out and see the vintage Indy cars. We're going to have some pretty cool Indy cars there, Jeff. And it'll be a way for, for I'm sure the kids will enjoy it. Come on, drive down, whether you take your bike, whether you walk, drive your car down there, or uh, take your golf cart. It's going to be pretty cool. Lots of cars down there. Uh, some of the cars that are going to uh, that are going to appear, uh, if you're interested in those cars, are uh, you're going to have uh, some old Dan Gurney Eagles, nice, including my my buddies, uh, their 1972 Eagle that Mark Donahue put on the front row of the 73 Indianapolis 500 by Mark Donahue. They'll be down there. We'll have a bunch of rear engine cars, some front engine uh, cars. We're even going to have an old Studebaker. Sweet. 33 Studebaker, which I first saw at the Milwaukee Mall in 1974 as a wee lad. Uh, it was in celebration of the 25th running of the Rex Mays Classic in 1974. That Studebaker was there. It is now owned by uh, August Grassis of uh, of Kansas, who's been a frequent uh, 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 visitor to the Harry Miller Club, which unfortunately... Uh, our our vintage IndyCar 
meet at the Milwaukee Mall was canceled this year, but we will be back next year. So it'll be a lot of fun, lots of stuff to do at Road America. Come on out, camp, you, you, whatever you want to do, come on out. Uh, just that, unfortunately, I think autographs and that kind of stuff is going to be a little more difficult, but come on out. I, you know what? You know what I did last weekend? I went out for the first time since St. Patrick's Day, two days in a row. Nice. Congratulations. We did. We did I went to see the Midgets and uh, Modifieds and Street Stalkers at Wilmont. And then the following day, I went to uh, Burlington to uh, uh, Beaumont Field to watch uh, my buddy in his uh, over over 55 Rock rock League. They also play out in Franklin uh, uh, Hardball League. It was fun. Yeah, I would have liked really going cute, cute park too. I would have liked going to Wilmot. I don't care about old people playing baseball, but two, uh, okay, two dollar hot dogs too. Well, back in the day, I would have <laughs> sat there and went to town on those, man. Uh, but yeah, no, the uh, Road America weekend is going to be phenomenal. The, the gates will be open. It'll be a hundred percent open to fans. You know, they're they're letting in a hundred percent capacity. If you are an anti-masker like I am. Just don't be a Richard. Be smart. You know, there are a lot of people that take this social distancing thing serious. Yeah. Uh, my wife included. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So just don't be a Richard. You know, maintain a safe distance when possible. If somebody's giving you the side eye because you're yeah. not wearing a mask, back up a couple feet. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to ruin your day. Just get along, be nice, and, you know, enjoy the fact that you're watching live racing yeah. at Road America. Yeah, it's common courtesy. You know, uh, let's let's face it, it's the, the, the mask thing, unfortunately, has become political. It shouldn't be. I, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an anti-masker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a courtesy masker. If if people want to wear a mask, I'm I'm fine with that. If you don't, you don't. I'm, oh, I just say anti-mask personally. I yeah. I won't wear. One. I don't. Well, and I mentioned this the other. I walked into uh, a store and I had my mask on, and nobody else was wearing a mask, and there wasn't that many people in there, so I took it off. Yeah. But let, let's be honest. If if you're at let's say at, at Road America, and you go up there to St. John's. Uh, which is right in the middle of the track, kind of right, right mm-hmm. by the start finish line. It's brand new. A lot of it's enclosed now. It's larger, we can fit more people in there. And you can actually order inside now, as opposed to outside. Uh, if you go in there, you should probably have a mask on. And when you go outside, and if you grab your hot dog or your 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 ice cream, whatever it is, then you can take your mask off. Yeah, just or be bandana, nice. whatever it is. Yeah, be nice, get along, and you know, like you said, it has become political. It shouldn't be political. It's you know, if you're comfortable going out to Road America, you should be able to go out to Road America. If you're not comfortable, stay home. It is what it is. You know, this is America. We all got you know, it's the greatest holiday in the world because we're celebrating our independence. That's true. We've all got supposedly the freedom to sit there and and say what we want and do what we want but you still got to be nice and not not be a jerk so just get along and uh and and be good to each other so uh so you don't make uh race fans look bad you don't make yourself look bad and uh and these events can continue to to open and to go on 
because we all hate being stuck at home. At least I know I do. It's like hell on earth. I love being out and about. I'm a man of the people. Give me out. I don't want to be at home. I, I haven't gone to a heavy metal concert in, oh, my God, it's been like, it's, it's been like months. You withdrawal? Yeah, man, I'm freaking out. I got to get out and I got to <laughs> see some live music and see some people, you know, banging their heads and, you know, get my ears deafened. I love it. That was the man of the people. I'm Jeff Verlosky. We'll be back after this and a few will be, we'll be having some, uh, uh, some press conferences in the next hour and some other news as we move forward on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. My name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's episode of the Final Inspection. Joining me now in the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the host of the show, Steve Zaki. Steve, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, enjoying a, uh, well, it's warm. It, it, it's summer in Indianapolis, so uh, there's a, there's a breeze. Uh, what's nice today? You got some cloud cover, so it, you know when the clouds go be or when the sun goes behind the clouds, it, it, it's not it's not too bad. But it's 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 the typical summer day in the Midwest here in Indianapolis. Absolutely, and we got some great, beautiful weather right now in Wisconsin too. Unlike like you guys were talking about, I mean, racing has just been, especially NASCAR, has just been catching some really unlucky weather. But I mean, we have to talk about the big news that broke past couple of days ago: Jimmy Johnson testing positive for COVID nineteen. I mean, it's one thing for you know one of these drivers, but when you have one of your superstars of the sport test positive, I mean, it's that's a whole other story. Yeah, the news broke down here yesterday, and uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise. Uh, especially, we'll discuss this in just a moment. Uh, what, what you know, to gain entry to the track, it, it's quite intensive and very, very limited on credentials and who's allowed in. And uh, for that to happen, yeah, it took a uh, surprise. And it's because of the testing, the intensive testing they have down here at the event that he, that they they caught it, and he was a, a, asymptomatic. He had no symptoms at all, right? Uh, and, and and he tested positive. So I mean, you know, we. we we wish him the best. I mean, he's, you know, for, for somebody like Jimmy Johnson who runs marathons as a runner and everything, you know, he, he should, you know, barring, you know, obviously any complications, but I mean, he should be able to fly through this pretty easy. You know, he's definitely not in a high risk area, you know, uh, risk area at all for it. So, uh, for regarding the symptoms and issues that that come along with that, but you know, uh, yeah, it just, it was quite surprising. And was the, the talk of the town last night. Right, and you kind of uh, alluded to it a couple of minutes ago, but kind of talk about, if you can, what uh, participants do have to do in order to gain access to the track. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I got uh, I got a couple of buddies that are on the race teams and that. And it, it, what, what you have to do is they, they break everybody down in, in the groups, whether you're with the safety crew, whether you're with a, or a crew member, or your spotters for the for a team, or you know whatever you work, whatever area you have designated times where you have to go through a checkpoint. 
So what, what you do is you get a questionnaire the, on your phone the, the night before. It's handled by an app, and you also get a, a code then. So everybody goes through the gate at, 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 at their assigned time, and then they, you exit another. And then they, they direct you into a check lane. They scan your code. They scan your head. They give you a sticker, and then you go on in, and you go about your, your duties. But you can't gain access without, you know, the designated codes and, and whatnot. And they got four. They have they had a check-in down here uh, on the outside of the track, a designated area across the street for, for you know, there was two for IndyCar and then two for the NASCAR teams. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's pretty interesting how, you know, you, you have to go through there, and you can only enter the, the track at certain times, so. Hmm. I mean, just kind of, if you, I'm not sure if you know the exact numbers or all that, but I'm just kind of curious because over the weekend, uh, baseball just recently came out their COVID-19 test of all their players, and it was really only about 1.2 percent. Do you know? Uh-huh. I mean, do you know kind of like a general number of like how many of these drivers have tested positive? As far as I know, Jimmy Johnson is the only one, and that includes the crew members too. I think there were a, there were a couple crew members that had tested positive early on. But nothing recently, and he was the only one. So it's kind of curious, you know, if they can do contract, you know, contact tracing or what, who Jimmy was in contact with. I'm kind of right. curious. And I'm sure he is too, uh, where he got it from, because, uh, you know, like I said, everything is, is so very controlled. Now it is interesting. You know, I was downtown last night, and uh, you know, at St. Elmo's at the restaurant down there, it's the big, it's the big restaurant. You know, the place to be seen. All of the people are down there. And, you know, I saw a few notice. I won't name them, but there were, you know, some drivers and, and, and you know, big shots down there in the racing industry down right. at St. Elmo. So it's interesting. You know, you go through all of every, everything is so controlled. You're tested and everything. But once you leave the track, you're kind of on your own. You can do whatever you want. So, you know, how you're controlling yourself off the track, too. I mean, the, the sanctioning bodies have no control over that. And that's why I think with the NBA, it's interesting you know, they're getting a lot of, there's some press about, you know, all these people testing positive. But until you get into what the NBA wants to, what you know, what they're trying to do with the season is they're trying to control that 24-7. Right. Very hard to do. But if you're going to do that, if they want to do what they want to get done, that's kind of what you have to do. It's interesting because otherwise you might have a situation with Jimmy Johnson. You know, when, once you leave the track, whoever you, you run into contact, whether it's even just going getting gas or, or getting just something to eat, you never know who you, who you may run into. Exactly. I mean, uh, our guy, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, former host of this show, was uh, just down there a couple weeks ago, too, in Indy, and uh, he was saying it was pretty much a ghost town when he went, so it's kind of interesting to hear the uh, how much, I mean, with, I granted, races in yeah. town, but just how much busier it's been. And uh, finally, can you just kind of give us like an update and like how what's going on um, in Indianapolis right now with IndyCar racing? Oh yeah, they just they they, they just ran the, the Indianapolis Grand Prix. Scott Dixon won over Graham Rahel right. and Simon Paginot. Uh We had some good ebb and flow racing in that, but Scott Dixon uh, with some strategy and uh, and uh, I don't want to say a lucky flag, but it, I mean it was a, a caution flag that really benefited him. And once that. Once that happened, he kind of just took off and, and ran away with it. So it was a unfortunately the last you know ten fifteen laps was kind of a snoozer. He ran away with it, but Scott Dixon once again with a dominating win, and he is uh, everything is meshing with that Chip Ganassi team. You know, and it's it's interesting. We were I was talking with Jeff Orlowski last or I, I, either the the show that we pre taped earlier today 
or, or it was last week, we're talking about, you know, you look at uh, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, uh, where they are with their teams and that. They've been with the, with the teams for a while, and they're, everything seems to be gelling, and, and their age, Denny Hamlin and, and Kevin Harvick are in that, like, 37 to 40 range. Yeah. It's interesting. It's the same thing with Scott Dixon with the IndyCar. He's within that age range. He's, he's 39. He's been with Ganassi, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for many, many years. But they brought in Michael Cannon as a team engineer, a very, very well-respected engineer uh, and a strategist for the team. And it, it, just been, it, it just took him to that next level. And we certainly saw that in Texas, and we saw that today. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, next week at Road America. Absolutely. We've been getting some very entertaining weeks in racing. Steve, we appreciate you taking some time out of your vacation to join us for a couple minutes. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and uh, appreciate you having me on my show. And uh, <laughs> we look forward, hopefully next week, uh, the, the credential situation, it, it's going to be almost the same thing, but we we might be able to have some, uh, we might be able to get some interviews. We weren't we could have got it, it was it was really a hassle try, trying to get some interviews there are some yeah. opportunities but it just didn't work out but we're going to try and get some interviews for the listeners next weekend with some of the drivers and we'll see what happens and uh looking forward to chatting next week from road america awesome looking forward to it steve take care man all right thanks man appreciate it no problem that was the host of the final inspection steve zaki joining us on the great Midwest bank hotline has your passion outgrown your home the great midwest bank home renovation loan may give you the space that deserves Visit greatmiddlesbank.com, simply local lending since 1935. Once again, my name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's show. Uh, when we come back, we will hear from some of the drivers. In the meantime, this is the final inspection here on 105.7 from the fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Once again, my name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's episode. Coming up right now, we're going to hear from some of the drivers that will be racing this weekend. Actually, tomorrow, I should say. Right now, we'll hear from Kevin Harvick, number four, here on The Fan. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Can you hear us okay? Yep. I've got your loud All and right. Well, thanks for um, spending some time with us this morning. Um, I know you have a busy day with some interviews before um, you make the trip to Indy later in the week. But obviously an exciting weekend heading into what is the Brickyard um, weekend, this time during the July 4th holiday, which we all know will feel a little different without fans um, being present. But just talk about what it means to go to Indy, but also you know win at Indy, which you have done um, last year and before that as well. Yeah, for, for me, Indianapolis is, is, um, is, is a place for that I grew up as a kid, you know, wanting to race IndyCars at. So to be able to go there and actually compete and, and, and win is, is like fulfilling your, your childhood dream. So uh, every time I go to Indy, uh, I look forward to driving in that tunnel. And, and you know, I think as, as you look at it this weekend, um, one of the parts that I will actually miss is driving in that tunnel while practice is going on or something is on the racetrack because there's there's really nothing um, more special to me than, than than being able to 
you know, think back to the things that you did as a kid and, and uh, wanting to, to go there and race one day. And, and so um, winning last year was, was really special. And, you know, having Piper there and my, my whole family there and having those pictures are, are, you know, one of the, one of the coolest things that, that I'll have when, when my racing career is over. So um, Indy is a, is a special place for me and, and I enjoy um, coming back each year to, uh, to show up and compete. All right, we will take questions now for Kevin if you have one. Once again, feel free to raise your hand within the Zoom platform or send us a chat as well. And um, we will now take questions. All right, we're gonna start with Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead. Kevin, a couple things. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the sport over the last few years about uh, drivers and age groups and certainly reaching a certain threshold and, 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 and seeing maybe a re reduction of, of success. Obviously, you've bucked that trend or what, what people have talked about. How do you foresee uh, drivers' careers and, and what are drivers able to do to extend beyond maybe what people originally thought of kind of a certain time period for, for a driver career? Well, the, the things that I would tell you is, is the sport has changed a lot. And I think with, with less practice and cars changing and, you know, a lot of the things are, are done. Um, through simulation and, and things like that now. So the experience level uh, obviously comes into play. And I think when, when you surround that with a, a good team and a good organization and, and are able to work those details out, you know, I think that, you know, the potential is to drive into your fifties. Why, why not? You know, I think as, is with the, with the, with the, um, the health side of things and, and the way that people take care of themselves and, and work out. I think the longevity of, of the body on, on, you know, most of us going forward is going to be more durable than, than what it has been in the past. So, yeah, I think that that experience for the most part is, is the biggest key, uh, especially when, when you surround that with a, with a, you know, a crew chief and, and team that are, that are good. And, you know, that's the situation that I am in. Um, you know, I think I kind of had a, I kind of had a kind of a, a second life, I guess you could say, uh, coming, coming to SHR was, was very motivating. And, and, you know, I think as you look at it now, for me, it's still very motivating because you work your whole career to get in a situation like this. And, you know, I've had this, I had this a long conversation about this with, with Mark Martin. It's like you work your, your whole, your whole career to get in this situation. Why would you want to give that up and just say, I quit. So, uh, you know, as long as, as long as, um, you know, Delana and, and my family are, are supportive. And, and I don't think that the, uh, the drive and enthusiasm, you know, as far as showing up at the racetrack every week will, will go away uh, anytime soon. So, you know, you just have to balance those things. And, and I think as, as you look at Martin turning 40 and Denny and, you know, um, you know, a lot of the success has, has been from, you know, that, that particular age group. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change uh, anytime soon. I also want to ask you, obviously, uh, a lot of tracks or some tracks have, have strategy certainly play a key role. Pocono certainly can be one. Indianapolis can be one with track position. Um, when there's different, um, different drivers on different cycles, is it pretty much easy for a driver? It's just, just drive? Um, or it, how much are you worried or thinking about the strategy play um, during the race? Or even is that something you talk much with Rodney or just let Rodney handle uh, going into a race yeah for the most part we we've talked about it before the race um and during the race i i you know i typically just 
let them handle it just because they have way more information. But, you know, from a driver's standpoint, it's, it's a little bit more stressful because you aren't really around the cars all the time that you're racing. And you know that if you give up a little bit here or you give up a little bit there, you don't know how much they give up through lap traffic or, you know, coming back through the field or what strategy they're on. So from a driver's standpoint, it's a little more stressful. And, you know, you have to push every lap in order to make sure you get the most out of that lap to give up the least amount of time. So it's just a it's a different style race, which is good. Right. You know, you have you know, you have all these different elements that play in at different styles of racetracks that that aren't you know, the same style and element that play in all the other racetracks. So um, it's actually more stressful, in my opinion, because you, you aren't, you can't judge it off a car that is around you. It's somewhere else on the racetrack when it all cycles together. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Claire B. Lang. Claire, go ahead. Thank you. Kevin, you know, when you think about drivers like you and Brad Kozlowski and Kyle Busch, I can't imagine the sport without you all opinionated, always storylines. And then we have these young drivers coming up and uh, I try to envision them when they're your age. When did you feel like you were uh, okay to speak out? Like when did you start saying what you thought? Uh, was it right when you came in? I'm trying to think back that far or did, did it take you a while to get to be opinionated on matters and have that personality? Well, unfortunately, Claire, when I started, I talked too much. Um, and, you know, it was it, it was it was a thought that that it was more fun to rile everybody up than it was to actually just worry about racing. So, um, you know, my opinions were were there were there were too many of them. And it, then it then it affects your team and it affects the things that you do. They start having to answer questions. So, you know, I think there's there's definitely a balance. Um, and I would I would definitely consider myself a, a little bit of a loose cannon for the first several years as to what you said, because I didn't care what I said didn't care what you thought, didn't care uh, about much other than, other than just driving the race car. And it was a, it was a pretty self-centered approach, but, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of that process changed when, you know, when I came to Stuart Haas racing and then had kids, uh, you know, you have this, you have a whole different responsibility that, that comes, um, you know, in, in the things that you say and, and the things that you do when you have kids. But, you know, I think for, for me in the race car, in order to get Rodney convinced to, to come to Stuart Haas Racing, it was, okay, you know, his first questions were, you know, you don't have a very good reputation with your team. You, you yell on the radio. Uh, you do all these things. So, you know, first time all this stuff happens, I'm out of here. And, you know, most likely, you know, we won't even get started unless you can, unless we can make some changes in, in that process. So, you know, I think in order to, you know, get the right person and, and start building a team, um, you know, it was important to commit to, um, you know, not only for my family, but for Rodney and, and his situation and our, our relationship. And so to have that, that kind of reset button in order to, to start over and, and really, you know, have a different reputation of, of, you know, how you handled yourself, it really didn't, it didn't affect the things that you do on the racetrack, but how you handled yourself and, and, you know, kind of that observation, um, you know, that you put out to the world, what needed to be different. So, you know, I think really coming to, to Stuart Haas racing and, and Rodney are, are the biggest reason for that. And uh, the double header with IndyCar and NASCAR, how do you see that? Are you looking forward to running into people that 
in the garage or watching what the IndyCars do. I know that you're a fan of Indianapolis and, you know, at one time maybe you would have been an IndyCar driver. Well, I'm definitely not going to run into anybody. I know that for sure because they'll all be gone by the time I get there. But you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit, um, you know, that, that part, I, I, I wish that I was able to be in the garage and, and go over and, and see, you know, what, what uh, IndyCars were all about and watch in person, but we will definitely be watching on TV. I think it's a, you know, it's a great situation for all three series to, to be together. And, and, you know, I think it's a huge step for racing, right? You know, as, as you look at, you know, the Indy cars and Xfinity cars and cup cars all in the same venue, because we're all racers. We all want to see racing be successful. And I think this is uh, definitely a great step for, for both series uh, to be able to to be in the same venue and bring our fans together and, and show uh, both sides that it's not about picking sides. It's about, you know, watching a great show and, and being, a, being a part of a great event. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Brett with Fox 59. Go ahead. Hey, Kevin, thanks for your time. You answered part of the question I was going to ask about if you were going to be here Friday, Saturday. Um, do you have a curiosity with the Xfinity cars on that road course and kind of where, where do you weigh in in the future of perhaps running the 400 um, on the road course? Um, I would never vote for that because I like, I like, uh, I love everything about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, but, but for me, it's all about, you know, the the oval and I, I guess you can't even I guess you can kind of call it an oval but um you know racing on the traditional racetrack just because of the fact that that for for me I'm kind of old school and 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 you know I think that the cup cars you know belong and really started the Brickyard 400 and, and that was kind of what it was always meant to be was was um, kind of that iconic one-off you know just the cup cars event and, and I think you know with the Xfinity cars and the trucks and you know, the, the um, canning cars and, and all the things that, that used to race at IRP. It was kind of that, that great event, right? So, you know, hopefully the road course can can kind of take that role and, and you know, that IRP used to have and, and be able to uh, bring the Indy cars and, and NASCAR together is it kind of adds to that event uh, at, at the Speedway. So, um, but for me personally, I would I would never vote for the cup cars to not run on the oval. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Andrew Keese. Andrew, go ahead. Thanks, Kevin, for doing this. Uh, earlier, whenever you were talking about your experience and your longevity, you briefly mentioned, you know, less practice. As it pertains to this year, you guys are doing almost no practicing, no qualifying runs. Do you think that that has allowed your experience to be more of an advantage this year and why it's a, a big reason why you're up more than 50 points in standing? Well, I think it's it's kind of – you know, it could go either way. You know, I think uh, the experience of our team being together for, you know, you know, going on seven years now is, is definitely a big part of that. Um, you know, being, being a part of that evolution of the things that I like in the car, the things that they like to do, the evolution of, of the race cars themselves and, and, you know, what they figure out on the engineering side just, you know, kind of evolves naturally because right now you can't, you can't step too far out on the limb. Uh, and, and try a bunch of things like you would in practice or, um, you know, on a, on a normal race weekend. So, you know, the other, the other piece of that is, you know, you don't have a bunch of people studying what you do with all the SMT data to, to try to copy it and, and, you know, drive their car and set their car up like, like what you're doing. 
because the race is over by the time all that happens. So it's been uh, very unique. And I, I definitely think it's been something that, that plays into um, plays well for our team to just show up and, and race, because I think, um, you know, for the most part, I think that experience is, is, is helping us, um, you know, get to where we need to be quicker. What would you say has gone right for you guys just in general this, this year? Because again, you're having an incredible season. What has gone in, in your favor for your, for your team? I think we've just been consistent. You know, I think, and I think the other thing is, you know, for the most part, uh, when, when we've had chances to win races, we've won them. And, you know, I think Sunday was probably the only one that I could point to to say, you know, we had, you know, the car to win the race and didn't win the race. So, you know, I think for the majority of the races that, that we've had, you know, chances to win, we've capitalized on those situations. And, and the days that we haven't, we, we've, we've um, you know, collected some stage points and, and, you know, had a solid day to go with it. So it's just, um, you know, it's just, it's not anything out of the norm of, of what we've done in the past, but I, I think capitalizing on those, those moments you have to win, uh, we've, we've done well. All right, Kevin, we appreciate your time. Um, we wish you the best of luck this weekend, and we'll see you on Sunday. All right, guys, thank you. Once again, Kevin Harvick talking about this week's race. Coming up next, we will hear from Kurt Busch. Once again, my name is Sam Schmitz, producing here on the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Once again, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Happy 4th of July, everybody. My name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's show. The last segment you just heard from Kevin Harvick. We will now hear from Kurt Busch, who spoke to the media a couple days ago as he prepares for tomorrow's race. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, hello. You, you have me? We have you. Okay, awesome. great. Thank you. Not only do we have you, we have you in front of a very... Um, Sponsor approved backdrop too. Yeah, I try. I try to do my part. Yeah. <laughs> Good deal. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. I know you joined us just a couple weeks ago, but with the exciting um, kind of milestone start you had this week, we wanted to um, have you join us again and just talk a little bit about Indy will be your seventh hundred NASCAR Cup Series start. And my question for you to, to kick us off is just, did you imagine when you started this career that you would have 700 starts? Um, it, it's amazing, you know, the, to have this opportunity and to have been blessed to have raced with so many great race teams over the years. I, I mean, just making it, you know, past the, the local track was, was something that I thought was an achievement because my dad was a local racer. He won a lot. Uh, but it was like money sponsors and, and the whole challenge of even getting to like the, the Southwest tour, you know, a late model division uh, that, that was even tough for us way back in the past. So it's amazing. 20 years uh, of racing at the top series level and now having 700 starts, uh, never would have guessed. All right. We're going to start with questions for Kurt. Once again, friendly reminder, you may use 
um, the raise your hand option within the Zoom platform or send us a chat and we will we will monitor that um, chat room as well. So we're going to take our first question from Claire B. Lane. Claire, go ahead. Thank you. I, I wonder when you look at going to Indianapolis, what your thoughts are, right? We have the road course for Xfinity. We have IndyCar there. I'm sure it's a track that you find intriguing. Just sort of tell us what you think about what the weekend might be in your mind. I mean, it's a, a big marquee race. It's our Brickyard 400, uh, but unfortunately, we don't have our race fans. I mean, I, that's what I still think about first each time we're heading to the racetrack. And with a special weekend like this, with IndyCar, Xfinity on the road course on Saturday, and then the big cup race on Sunday on the Oval, you know, this it, Roger Penske is the only one that could have made IndyCar and NASCAR happen on the same weekend. And Big Machine is there with their sponsorship. and I know they would put on a great concert and, and the whole atmosphere around Indy. It, it was set up uh, to be fan-based and to, to have that extra entertainment value. So something we'll miss, uh, but for me, I'm, I'm focused in on Sunday's race. I'm just gonna fly in day of. I would have really liked to have enjoyed to see uh, the Indy cars and Xfinity on track, but just trying to stay in the bubble and stay isolated. And will you, Will you watch the IndyCar race? Will you watch the Xfinity race? Does that help at all? And how about your vision for getting a win at Indy? Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll be tuned in to watch and just to enjoy it as a motorsports fan. I think that's what this weekend is about, uh, with it being July 4th, a celebration of our country's birthday, and to have both forms, uh, you know, top forms in, in motorsport of, of, in America at Indy, we have open wheel with IndyCar and we've got NASCAR with the fenders on them and going around the ovals. So it's a, it's a great weekend for motorsports to tune into. Good luck. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take our next question from Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, Kurt, with uh, your experience in IndyCar, did you look at any chance of, of competing in the race on Saturday? Uh, I did, Bob. I looked at it and just with everything going on with COVID and the pandemic and, and lack of preparation, uh, it, it just kind of shut everything down as far as the, the progress and the approach uh, because it, it takes you know, a full effort of being tested and track time and, and being ready. And that's something that I really put in when I ran uh, the Indy 500 uh, six years ago now. Uh, and so just kind of everything got shut down, but it would have been fun to do with Chip Ganassi racing. And then uh, with Jimmy Johnson now doing a test next week with Scott Dixon's car. I mean, it, it's all right there in front of us. It's just the timing wasn't right. And do you have any sense of how the next gen car might react to, to the oval? Is, is there any, you know, there's some talk about the Xfinity race goes well, maybe NASCAR should do the cup cars on the, road course, but then there's talk, well, could the next gen car race any differently? Yeah, I mean, it, as far as testing and, and gathering up information and, and data on the new car, it's all kind of shut down as well. And I, I see those cars, though, where they're able to adapt to any circumstances. So a street course, road course, oval, uh, those cars, the way that they're going to, uh, the way that I've looked at it and the way they're assembled, uh, things can be changed out pretty quick. And so you could almost hammer out a road course on a Saturday and an oval on a Sunday with the same cars. Thank you. 
Okay, we're going to take our next question from Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead. Yeah, Kurt, a couple things. Um, can you uh, just kind of explain or talk about uh, what has allowed uh, drivers who, uh, you know, the late 30s would have been maybe traditionally viewed as kind of the peak of the racing career, still having success and still making an impact? And is that lengthening careers or what has allowed uh, those from like 37, 38 on to kind of have more success at a, at a time when maybe people didn't look at it as, as, as being as strong of a period for a driver's career? Um, you know, it, it takes a good team to have a, have a driver's ability to, to find the success. I mean, a team is, is the foundation, uh, but the way I, I've looked at things over the years, it seemed like drivers, uh, the generation before me, got in when they were in their young 30s and would go to their late 40s. Uh, you know, then there was this guy named Jeff Gordon who came into the sport and broke down a ton of barriers as far as age. And it opened up the floodgates for owners to look at all different uh, areas of the country to find talent, to find racers. And uh, it's it's been an amazing ride for me. I mean, I got in in my young 20s, you know, and then a guy like Joey Logano got in in his teens, my little brother in his teens. And so, you know, the, 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 the change, the shift has happened uh, for, for younger drivers to get in. And yet it's still uh, uh, it, it's tough to go past, uh, you know, 25 years is, is extreme. I don't think we'll ever see that anymore. And so that's that window that we've all had this opportunity to race in. And um, I think it's just a matter of age blended with uh, the experience level and with a top tier team. And when you see that, it's usually in, in that 32 to 38 range uh, that, that I would say could it could be the peak. But I'm having some of the best years of my career as far as consistency uh, because I'm, I'm using that experience level. I'm using that calmness and that ability to project the future in the car. And that's uh, leading to good, consistent quality finishes. Uh, it's just that we've got to cross over another barrier of sometimes you just throw caution to the wind and let it rip. And that's when you see guys like Blaney, who's now has won um, you know, the last couple restrictor plate races, uh, but yet ran into my little brother the other day at Pocono, just driving over the nose of the car. So you got to blend in the youth and the experience. And that's when you're going to find the right combination. Also with Indianapolis, can you take me through uh, what it's like on pit road? I know a lot of these different tracks, there's a lot of different challenges, Martinsville, uh, Dover, what have you, but with, with how narrow and tight Indianapolis is, what that's like, and, and just, just avoiding any type of contact there, because certainly that can quickly ruin, ruin somebody's day. Yeah, Indianapolis has the toughest pit road in, in all of the NASCAR circuit. Um, it, it's compounded because of the difficulty of passing on track. And so we're all trying to gain every inch, every foot possible on pit road. And so when you're coming down pit road at speed, you know, guys are trying to look ahead and see where to peel off to get into their pit box. And then it creates an accordion effect of guys that are sitting there right on top of their, um, lights and their pit road speed. And so that checks people up. And then when you're coming out, uh, of your pit box you've got to turn hard to the right to get around the guy that's in front of you and you're most likely blending straight into traffic and 
people usually just throw caution to the wind and go, you know what, I'm just going to block you and it's up to you to check up because we're that aggressive on pit road to keep that track position. Thank you. All right. Any final questions from Kurt? All right, Kurt. Thanks again for joining us here quickly this morning and we wish you the best of luck in Indy on Sunday. We'll see you then. Great. Thank you so much. Once again, Kurt Bush joining the guys yesterday, talking to the media. Coming up next, we'll wrap up today's show here on the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Once again, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. My name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's show. Happy Fourth of July, everybody, as we wrap up today's show in the final segment. Just heard from Kurt Bush. Right now, we'll hear from Chase Briscoe, who just talked to the media a couple days ago as he prepares for tomorrow's race. Thanks for joining us here quickly after practice. Um, and welcome home to Indiana. I know this area is super special to you. And just talk a little bit about... Um, you know, having the opportunity to race here at Indy, but having the, you know, the chance to take the first laps on the road course this afternoon. Yeah, super excited to be back in Indiana. Um, it's always special anytime you can come back here and wish we had fans here, obviously, because I, I don't get to see, I get to see here typically a lot of the fans I don't get to see anywhere else, but super excited to be on the road course. I think it's going to be a, a great race tomorrow. The track is uh, really fun. It's a lot wider than I anticipated and more of a traditional road course where, uh, the roval is more street course type. So I think we're going to have plenty of opportunities to pass tomorrow. I, I know that there's a lot of tire lockup issues and it looks pretty cool on TV how we're, you know, up on three wheels quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I think, you know, it's going to be an awesome race. And uh, obviously, like I said, wish fans were here, but I'm sure next year that, that they're packed this place because it's going to be an awesome weekend with the Indy cars and then us. Okay, now we'll take questions for Chase. If you have one, just a friendly reminder, you may raise your hand within the Zoom platform or send us a um, chat and we'll look um, for your question there as well. So we're gonna start with questions and we're gonna take a first question from Jim Utter. Jim, go ahead. Make your mute, Jim. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, uh, after your Pocono win, uh, you talked about the many hours you have spent in the simulator preparing for this race. I just wondered, through two practices today, how did the real road course compare to what you learned and was able to do on the simulator? Yeah, I think, you know, it was it was a good opportunity to just look at the racetrack and kind of see some of the areas. But, you know, truthfully, um, there's a couple things that were just different than normal. Um, you know, I, I would say 70% of it where I found speed in the simulator was very realistic to real life. But there are some things here in real life that I didn't necessarily do in the simulator that picked me up to speed. So, you know, I, I think for the most part, it was definitely a gain. Um, I couldn't imagine coming here with, you know, no laps on the simulator. But there, I feel like every racetrack you go to, there's always some little things you can find uh, in real life that don't necessarily correlate over to the simulator that uh, just find you speed. And there were certainly some of those things here with just curbing and uh, even some gear stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a good – you know, I'm glad I turned that many laps, but at the end of the day, there's nothing like real life. And uh, if you had to kind of pick from what you saw today, where would you think might be one or two trouble areas that you guys might have to keep your eyes out for tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know the exact turn numbers, but turn one for sure. I mean, you're just going so fast down into there, especially on restarts. And 
Um, you know, it's just such a funnel. It gets so narrow coming out of one. And you even see the IndyCar guys, they, they crash there a lot. So I think that's going to be one of them. And obviously, at the end of the back stretch, but also, uh, like I said, I don't know the corner number, but in the short shoot of one and two there, um, it seems like that's a really, really hard corner. Um, you know, just the banking transition, you're coming out, you're breaking the walls on the left. The car gets really light right there. So I think that's going to be one of those areas that's going to definitely be a trouble spot. Um, a lot of wheel lock up everywhere. We corded both right fronts in both sessions. So I think tires are going to be a little bit of an issue. And anytime you guys get guys locking up, you know, they can't stop like they need to and they hit the guy in front of them. So I would say there's going to be uh, no lack of rest tomorrow and a lot of excitement as well. Thanks, Chase. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Fox 59, CBS 4. Brett, go ahead. Hey, Chase, just curious if you kind of got a sense of, you talked about some of the dramatics uh, of just watching it, but can you kind of get a sense of how that might correlate to actual racing uh, come tomorrow? Yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, really good racing tomorrow. I think right now, at least after first practice, you saw a really big gap in the field. And you know, at second practice, the field from third to, I think, 12th was really, really tight. So I think it's going to be a really competitive race. You know, tires, I think, are kind of all over the place. You know, like I was saying earlier, you could be one of the fastest guys and lock a tire up and cord it, and then you're in trouble. So I think there's plenty of opportunities to pass anytime you have heavy braking zones. Uh, it always creates a passing opportunity. And, you know, really almost every single corner here is pretty heavy braking. You know, after four or five laps, I had quite a bit of brake fade. So, you know, that's another thing you're going to have to keep in mind tomorrow is you might see guys going a little bit easy early in the race trying to save their brakes just because at the end, if we have a really long run, it's definitely going to be a factor. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, Chase, so do you feel ready for this race tomorrow? Uh, yes and no. I felt like our car, we kept making it continually better. Um, obviously, Cindric and, and Almendinger are, you know, really, really fast. So I feel like we're about a half second off of them. But, you know, I feel like if our car got better, um, and then always just every single time I go road racing, I feel like when I get in the race and can be around those guys and visually see what they're doing different than me, I always – Feel like I pick up quite a bit of speed so I feel like our car was really good on the long run and you know normally that's pretty good for a road race so I have a pretty good idea and, and feeling about tomorrow I think the biggest thing is just going to be the heat the heat's going to be um, a huge factor um, growing up in Indiana obviously I know that July is always super humid and uh, it's definitely no exception for this week it's super hot and especially in the race car um, my feet were getting really really hot there just in practice just from the brake heat and everything else so it's definitely going to be a, a very physically demanding race tomorrow yeah, I was going to ask, I see you're wearing a cool shirt. Uh, do, you, do you normally wear one of those or is this uh, new for you? Uh, I started wearing it, um, I want to say, two weeks or two races after Darlington, whenever that was. So uh, I wore for about four or five races now, so it's pretty new to me. But uh, I feel like it's made a huge difference in the last couple of races and then especially uh, at a place like this weekend where it's going to be really hot. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Ethan Sears. Ethan, go ahead. Uh, hi, Chase. Uh, just wondering uh, how you feel about uh, being on the road course at IMS uh, versus the Oval. Yeah, I mean, anytime you come to Indianapolis, I think it's always such a, a humbling feeling to get to turn laps here in any type of car on any kind of you know configuration, whether it's the Oval, the, the road course, or even the dirt track. You know, growing up or the last two years going and running, the midget over there was always special. Um, so I think, you know, no matter what configuration it is, you're always glad to come here. It's, I think from a, a straight prestige standpoint, 
Um, it, it definitely, at least for me personally, would mean a lot more to win on the Oval just because, you know, the Indy 500 and the Brickyard 400 are ran on the Oval. But regardless, you're still going to win in Indianapolis if you win this race. Chase Briscoe talking to the media a couple days ago, getting ready for tomorrow. Once again, my name is Sam Schmitz, producing today's episode of The Final Inspection. From everybody here at 105.7 FM, The Fan, have a great 4th of July, everybody. Take care. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.